Blog Talk Radio. Take a tour of Rock's past and its future. We talk with Sandy Skeeter. She's rebooting the legendary Sound City Studios in Los Angeles. And troubadour Adam Road joins us with songs and stories from the continents, from two continents. It's all here today. It's on Music Friday Live, so stay tuned. Angeles, California. It's Music Friday Live, brought to you by World Arts, a global platform for musicians, fans, and the music industry, and by MySanFelipeVacation.com, your source for a great getaway on the Sea of Cortez. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan. This is your show. These bands are here to talk with you. So call us, 347-215-7511. Or you can email us, you know, if you're at work there with your headphones on, email us, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And I want to welcome our listeners on the cyberstationusa.com network and their radio affiliates. And to those of you listening to us on Stitcher or iTunes, or those of you who are going to be listening to us tonight uh, in London on the Artist Echoes Network. Hi, everybody. If you're listening to us on the overnight, or if you listen to us on a, uh, a podcast, obviously you can't call in because we won't be live at that time, but go ahead and send us email questions and we will uh, forward them on to our artist um, or we'll reply directly to you ourselves. Music Friday Live at gmail.com. Well, Troubadour Adam Road, and that's his stage name, is a Tel Aviv-based musician who has knocked around the world and picked up influences and wisdom from many sources. His music incorporates the harmonics and, and rhythms of flamingo-style guitar. He mixes it up with indie rock, rock and roll, and grunge music, and sometimes he gets a little spacey. Born in Colorado, he moved to Israel and then to New York and was one of the founding members of the band City of the Sun. In 2014, he moved back to Israel to establish a solo career, and he signed with Ebo Music, and he recorded his debut album, Exile from the City. The name Troubadour was given to him by a stranger and it sort of stuck or rather he wanted it to stick and that's uh, where it is. It is right now, but I want to welcome him to music Friday live. Hi there, Adam, or should I call you? Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. All right. right. Well, you have (laughs) quite a story. As you said, it's a long, strange trip. Um, First of all, what prompted the move from Colorado to Israel? Um, that was just my parents. I was young. I was like 11. And they were just, they uh, met on a on a trip to Israel. They met oh. as kids. No, not as kids, as young adults. You know, they met on, a, on their own journey okay. over there. Well, what's the music scene like in Tel Aviv? I've been to Tel Aviv, but um, I didn't have a chance to check out the music scene. So what's what's it like? Oh, um, well, I mean, the first time I moved to Israel was with my parents. The second time I moved back was uh, I just had, and my hands got messed up, and I ended up in Tel Aviv. And the music scene there is unbelievable. The music scene there is kind of kind of off the hook. A lot of a lot of a huge melting pot. Well, it's a small melting pot, but um, a lot of the artists uh, that are there, like uh, they've traveled through India, through South America, uh, through Europe, and a lot of them have have found, you know, found great teachers in all these countries and studied different kinds of music or instruments and come back and really pursued those studies uh, in in Tel Aviv. Okay. Well, obviously so. it works because your music, and I was listening to it all day yesterday, is really something. I want, I want to play for our audience uh, uh, one of the songs that just keeps going around and around in my head, and this is uh, Ain't No Love.
know, you really dig deep into uh, emotions with that song. And it's also, it's a song that's just perfectly crafted to hit people in the gut. So where did it come from? The, the, the title, the riff, the juxtaposition of the sound wall and the dreamy verses. How, how did you evolve all of that? Um, it's, it just came from, well, originally I was playing it. I wrote it back when I was with City of the Sun and we were playing it. Um, but, but I, I don't know. It just kind of, it's kind of came probably at the end of my time in City of the Sun and, uh, and we were just not all on very good terms, and um, just there's just a lot of a lot of like the typical typical band thing going on, and uh, and I don't know, it was just it just kind of happened in the studio, and uh, then when when I went to record it on this album, we really like the producer and I. Um, that I was working with for the song David Weingarten, he he was just like me and him were just like okay let's put like a lot of distortion on this, and uh, the label at the time Yibo they wanted to you know they only want to put an EP together four songs and I was like no like we're gonna I'm gonna put like I'm putting an album out like I don't care <laughs> like. Uh-huh. So I, so I got in the studio and, and did that, and the A and R came in, and he was just like, he was like talking and everything about whatever, and and we played him that song, and he was like, oh, <laughs> he's like, wow, I thought you were an acoustic artist, but okay, cool. So you I don't know, know it's just yeah, sorry. One of the things I like about that song, one of the many things, is that um, uh, it. It was so well crafted, and you did it in the studio. And uh, I got reminded of, of what happens in the studio. Um, yesterday, I took a tour of the new Sound City Studios. In fact, the uh, the owner's going to be oh, cool. um, on the show a little late, right after you, as a matter of fact. And uh, you know, she kind of walked me through what you can do with a Helio sixty nine and a, the best drum room in the world, and then really got to see the difference between the kind of sound you put out in a studio and, you know, the kind of DIY sound people do in their garages. So it really shows, it really sh- your, your music really well, shows. This was done in a garage. The, the, huh? this, is, this album was done in a garage. Uh, oh, the what? garage had some, it had some pretty nice toys in it. Yeah. I mean, I, when, when we were going to record the album, we were talking about different producers. I really wanted to work with um, blended babies uh out here in California who they they've done like ZZ Ward and uh just some stuff with Gary Clark Jr. and Asher Roth. Kind of like hip hop producers that mix hip hop and sorry. That mix uh hip hop and blues. And uh then we ended up deciding to do it with a uh, producer who was over in, in Jersey and uh and they they asked me like do you want do you want to like rent a studio or do you want to I'm like no I kind of want something a little bit more homey. So we ended up doing it at his home studio in his garage and okay. it was just it was great. Well, you, you mean, got like, a lot yeah, of good craftsmanship in there. Um, yeah, the other he, thing was, about he was you, awesome. You you mix up a lot of musical styles, and I wonder is that because you bounce back and forth between continents and you've absorbed a lot of styles along the way? Um, I think, I, I mean, I, I think so probably, but uh, de- I mean, definitely like the Spanish guitar. Um, I, I ended up living with a very famous musician as a, as a teenager named David Broza. His son was a good friend of mine. And David's an incredible, incredible flamenco guitarist. He's played with everybody from Aldo Miola to Jackson Brown to, like, you name it. He's up there. And um, and I saw him play, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, that's what you do with a guitar. That's, <laughs> so I went and I, I, bought, I sold my sold my, my electric guitar and, and, and bought a uh, classical. He, he actually helped me get my first classical. Um, and... Just kind of, it started just from that. But I mean, like I've been writing songs since I was about like six, like just writing songs down, song ideas down. Uh, and wow. 
So then, but I always play like rock and roll or like punk rock or listen to that stuff. And and I think now just the styles are really, it's really just I don't know what what I feel is best for the story. You know, I, I don't think about writing a song in a style. I think about writing a story and how to tell it. You know, like ain't no love is, it's it's like a heavy story. You know, when you're when you're in a city like New York or LA and you're not feeling the love like you know you're really not feeling the love <laughs> so and that can happen too <laughs> yeah and it, yeah it's it's part of living in those cities you know so yeah. I, I felt like I need to craft a, a a soundtrack for the for those moments well you certainly did and and you know I saw you at a so far and um, actually if I recall you were a lot more bluesy now I wonder if the the balance between blues and rock and punk and sort of more dreamy uh, music or flamenco, does that, do you vary that with the venue or with the audience or just how you happen to feel that night? Um, I vary that both. Also the band that I'm playing with um, depends. I like playing with a lot of different musicians. My songs are, my songs are basically me and a classical guitar and then whatever else I choose to put on top of them. Uh, so I've, I've played with all different types of setups. Uh, the setup I was playing with the Lonely Soul Collective in, uh, in Tel Aviv, there was two guitarists, a violinist, um, a percussionist who also sang in Spanish. And, um, and then we have horns players step in and, and bass and uh you know so it's really it's really kind of just depending on who i'm playing with the album when i did the album it was just me and it's like you know it's like what do i want right now how uh, how do i feel i need to express this but also i think 2017 has brought about a time where a lot of musicians don't want to play with each other because they don't get the opportunity to express themselves in the other person's music so i feel like live whether it's uh, you know live, I just feel like if I if I just put great musicians on stage with me, um, whether the song comes out closer to the album or whether it comes out in some you know it's gonna come out great you know like if you put great musicians on and give them a, a simple a simple platform and to to play the music on a simple bass then. You know, like amazing magical things happen. So I really, I really like not controlling my musicians as well. Um, okay. You get great time. music that way. We are talking yeah. with uh, Troubadour Adam Road and playing songs from his album Exile from the City. You can talk with him too. You can call in three four seven two one five seventy five eleven, or you can email us musicfridaylive at gmail dot com. And we actually have some emails here for you, uh, Adam. So oh, why wow. don't I? Yeah, why don't we respond to our our guests here? Uh, this is Barry. Sure. Barry's in New York City, and Barry wanted to know how long were you in Brooklyn, and did you ever play at the Aviv or the Greenpoint? Uh, no, I, I well, I was mainly in Manhattan when I was in New York, um, but I I have not played at either of those venues. But I will be in New York, hopefully. We're shooting for November to do some shows in New York. Uh, oh, yeah, do like have... the Bowery Electric or, or uh, Mercury Lounge, something like that. The Mercury Lounge, that's great. Well, well, Barry should then follow you. Are you on Bands in Town? Um, I'm, we should be soon. We're, we're right now, we came over here for a promo tour, um, so we're in the middle of signing parts of our lives over to different people so um <laughs> so we, we that should be in place a little bit in, in the near future but as as of now if you just google uh t-r-u-b-d-r which is a moniker for troubadour that we've come up with um that that spelling of it will bring you to all of my social media and everything else so t-r-u-b-d-r Okay, Barry, got that, and that way you can find out when he's going to play. Maybe you'll be able to see him at the Mercury Lounge. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Regina and that works in LA. Spotify and everything else. So. Definitely. Regina in L.A. says that, oh, I saw you at the Hotel Cafe. Did I hear that you were coming back to the Hotel Cafe? 
Yes, this is true. We will be back there uh, August 24th at uh, 10 p.m. on Stage 2. On so, Stage 2. Okay, well, re- Regina, you, you heard that. August 24th, 10 p.m. Stage and, 2, which means you can actually meet them. Yep, and tickets are uh, tickets are in my Instagram bio. And uh, also, I just posted them on my Facebook page. It will be an event, event going up in the next day or two as well. Okay. All right. Oh, here's an interesting question from from Austin, uh, Thompson M. in Austin. Thompson wants to know, and I don't know this myself, what's the difference between playing a classical guitar and a rock guitar other than just the rhythm? Um, Well, uh, a a classical guitar, the neck is thicker. Um, The strings are nylon. Uh, So... And the sound, and I've, I actually, I, I, I wear uh, four press-on nails. Like, I have my nails built at a nail salon, and I get to have, I get to have gossip talk with the old ladies at the nail salon every couple of weeks. <laughs> figure out what Lorraine is doing and why she's getting divorced and everything. Not joking, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, so, I, I mean, the guitar itself is just, uh, I don't know. Just, I, I, I personally, I, I feel like when I'm holding a, a classical guitar, I feel like I'm holding a friend or a lover or, or something like that. And it's just you, you, the control you have over it is really based on on the guitar itself. You know, you, you can't rely on effects or pedals or things to get a sound out of it. So you really have to adjust your playing to to the guitar as opposed to the guitar adjusting itself to you. Um, so I, I think it, I think it helps with a lot of things in guitar and I think it makes you just technically a better player once yeah. you get back to, to playing uh, like an acoustic or, or electric. All right. Well, let's, let's listen to a little bit of that. I, w- I want to play some of this song of yours, Winter. Say that again? Sorry. Did you include that in the album so you could sort of show off your guitar chops or did you want to kind of take the audience to a place of calm and refuge before throwing them back into the, the rock and roll sound pool? Um, well, I think, I think if, if you've listened to, uh, if anybody is familiar with City of the Sun, um, you'll know it's, it's guitar heavy, uh, very airy music. And um, I really wanted to keep that, a part of me and what I do uh, when I left the band, because that is what I I do, you know. Um, and I st- I started busking. I'm a street I'm a street musician, street performer, and I don't don't like really singing when I busk because I'd rather you know I'd rather just kind of be background music or you know be something nice for anybody who walks by. When you sing, you know, not everybody likes everybody's voice. So, uh, but nobody. Nobody really is. I mean, there are a few, but nobody really hates classical Spanish guitar. So, so it's usually something I can I can get away with uh, for for long hours. And I ended up deciding that, you know, I, I was going to compose four pieces of music, uh, instrumental pieces, and they were going to be called the seasons: the winter, summer, spring, and fall. And uh, and I just spent like every day like 
composing these and, and playing on the street and, and to live. And, and I just felt like uh, Winter, which was the first song, uh, instrumental song I finished, and uh, Spring were just kind of, they were they were like kind of the time frame in which like this this album took place in between and they kind of they really just so much of what I was going through while I was recording this album I uh, was in those songs and the the label didn't care for them the label didn't actually care if I put them on there or not so I just kind of went to the studio one night after we finished uh, tracking everything and I just hit record and and did that and then did the the vocal harmonies over it, which is also stuff that I used to do a lot of vocal looping with City of the Sun. So um, just kind of, again, it's just like a writing more of the story. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. I'm glad you did. Like, I'm, I'm, and yeah. I think it fits, Thank you. fits very, very, very well. And I, it's one of those things you could just, you want to play over and over again. Another song I like to play over and over again. I want to play a song from uh, uh, Exile from the City that is the other end of the the spectrum. Uh, It's a rock song, but it has kind of a unique flavor to it. Um, This is uh, Polly, spelled P-O-L-L-E, Polly, and it's really unique. form of your introduction there is not unusual. A lot of songs work like that, but you do it so well and you go through the transition so well. I mean, it just clicks. So um, uh, I have to ask though, I was listening to the lyrics. Who is the guy in the front of the bar in West LA who hates this place? Oh, (laughs) Um, well, I read an article once that uh, Tom McLean said, you know, you should never explain your songs. But, but uh, I guess there was a there was a picture. Oh, we were living in a motel, uh, City of the Sun, and we were recording an album which is going to be called Exile. Which some of the songs, uh, this is one of the songs that got to be recorded uh, from that, and. Um, and we just kind of, I was just playing this and I came up with a riff and not this riff, I came up with another riff, I changed the riff and the chord progression also um, when I re-recorded it. But, but we would play it and we were jamming and, and then uh, one morning I just kind of woke up like 6 a.m. or something like that and I was sitting on the balcony and I just kind of saw this picture of, that there, I was just thinking about this picture of the band, and it was like three silhouettes. And uh, you know, one one thing I learned from that experience, and another time after, is never never go to L.A. with somebody who loves New York to like spend a lot of time there. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, a different show. True, but, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, true New Yorkers, true New Yorkers, you know, they can deal with L.A. in like small small doses, like very small doses. <laughs> um, but and, and people who who love LA can deal with New Yorkers in LA. I think in small doses. Um, so so it was just kind of kind of about that. We 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 toured out to LA with Kanan. Uh, we ended up playing the Troubadour, and then we had uh, his agent was like, "You guys should stay. You guys should work on some stuff. Like you guys should be out here. Like your sound is really good for here." So. We're like, okay, well, an agent from CAA was just told us to stay out here, so I guess we should. 
or William Morris or some big big agency or whatever. So we ended up staying and and it's just like this wild time of bouncing from studio to studio. So the 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 guy the guy sipping his whiskey is is the person saying that they man, I really hate this place is uh it's one of the silhouettes. And the question is I think <laughs> I think the question for me in my mind has always been, well, is that is the silhouette turning to the person, to the other silhouette saying he hates his place? Is it my old bandmate saying it to me, or is it me saying it to him? You know, and well, we and can it's leave just, it. I don't know. You don't have to explain yeah. it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm not sure. We're, on, we're just about out of time, but no interview with you would be complete without a little bit of. Um, if God don't follow me. So why don't we play a little bit of that and then uh, make sure that people know how to get your music. So this is if God don't follow me. piece of music uh, all right. I'm looking forward to seeing you live when you're back in LA but uh, right now I, uh, we are out of time unfortunately so let's no make worries, sure no that everybody knows where they can find you uh, on a website um, social media um, just, just google T-R-U-B-D-R or uh, search that in Apple Music or Spotify or Instagram but just T-R-U-B-D-R Troubadour uh, go by Troubadour Adam Road and we'll bring up all, all of my social media, everything. It's very super okay. easy to find. So, uh, so just search that one word. All right. And we will be seeing you live at the Hotel Cafe. That's um, August 24th, right? Yep, August 24th. Okay. And tickets all are right. on my Instagram bio and, and on uh, my Facebook as well. Okay, well, thank you so much for spending the time with us today, and I'm looking forward to seeing you live. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. That was uh, Troubadour Adam Road. Follow him on social media. Stream him on Spotify. Better yet, um, own his album. You know, go to go to iTunes. We're going to take a quick break right now and get a word from one of our sponsors, World Arts, and then we'll be right back. We're going to take a a little walk through um, the, the past and the future of rock and roll. Don't go away. World Arts brings the entire music world together on one global stage. We give artists the tools to sell and license their music, interact with industry pros, and play live to a whole new audience. Wherever they are on their journey, we want artists to get paid for what they create. At World Arts, fans can discover new songs, get exclusive rewards, and crowdfund projects for artists. Brands can offer opportunities for artists to create original content that fans can instantly vote on and share. World Arts is the global music platform where we can all rise above the noise. Take your career to the next level. Discover new artists. At World Arts, it's all about the music. And we're back. We're back at uh, Music Friday Live. I'm Patrick O'Heffernan, and we would like to hear from you. You can call us, 347-215-7511, or better yet, uh, because you may be at work with your earphones on, put on your uh, your email and email us at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And uh, we have a guest waiting for us right now, but first... We do have to take a little trip to Mexico because one of our sponsors is there. Don't go away. Mm-hmm. 
Just two hours south of the California border lies the enchanting seaside town of San Felipe, Baja California, where friendly people, warm waters, and a relaxing vacation awaits. And it all starts at www.mysanfelipevacation.com. Whether you choose to golf on the 18-hole championship course overlooking the Sea of Cortez with friends, enjoy a romantic weekend for two on the beach, or take the whole family for a fun-filled weekend of shopping and activities, you'll be sure to find just the right accommodations at mysanfelipevacation.com. So what are you waiting for? Isn't it time you got away? Visit www.mysanfelipevacation.com today. That's www.mysanfelipevacation.com. See you in San Felipe. When I grow up, I want to have a, uh, a radio voice like that. Um, when I grow up, I want to be in San Felipe, which I will be. Well, for nearly 50 years, I've been here in Los Angeles. And um, for nearly 50 years, Sound City Studios has been in Los Angeles. And it has been the place where it kicked off recordings by Neil Young, Dr. John, the James Gang. It's been a wonderful, magical place. And after a special magical meeting, which we're going to talk to you about in just a minute, and a lot of gold and platinum records, star superstars trooped to Los Angeles to record at Sound City Studios, including people like Elton John, The Grateful Dead, Santana, Foreigner, Cheap Trick, Alice Cooper, Peter Frantham, and many, many more. Sound City continued producing through the 2000s, recording people like Diana Ross, Pat Benatar, Barry Manilow, Rat, Bob Dylan, Nirvana, but DYI recording software and changes in the music industry forced founder Tom Skeeter to close Sound City. But now it's back. Tom's daughter, Sandy Skeeter, and her business partner are rebooting it with a legendary Alios recording console, vintage analog equipment, and modern digital technology, plus some pretty 21st century ideas. So... We're going to talk about those because Sandy is with us right now. She's going to take us through a little walk through the past of rock and roll, and then we're going to talk about its future. Sandy, welcome to Music Friday Live. Thank you so much, Patrick. This is exciting. (laughs) Well, it was exciting touring the studio with you yesterday. I had a lot of fun. Well, I'm, I hope I didn't talk your ear off because, you know, we can sit around talking about Sound City stories since we have so many of them for hours. Well, and we're uh, I don't know how many I don't know how many people listening actually saw the movie called The Sound City Movie that David Grohl produced, but uh, that was just an out um, outcome of David Grohl speaking to my father and asking him you know, questions every time he saw him, and he just thought there were so many fascinating stories about, you know, the hostage situation we had once, and the fact that Charles Manson recorded his demos in 1968 or 69. Um, we have, we just have a lot of stories, so uh, I hope I don't uh, uh, bore your listeners too much. Not at all. That's why they're here. We might even talk about the ghosts, too, okay? Uh, but, but let's give them a little background, okay, on both you and the studio. Your dad built the studio and turned it into a powerhouse, and then it succumbed to the same market forces that have changed so much in the music industry. Meanwhile, you worked in the music industry. I know you're a drummer, too, but mm-hmm. I understand you also worked at Capitol Records. Is that right? That's right. Well, the okay. studio was started by some people who were, in 1968, who were purely, you know, studio engineers and music makers and um before that it was a vox uh, showroom for vox equipment and so it, it was around in the 60s so we didn't literally build it but it, it was uh, the ho- the building has been there since the 60s and then my dad got involved in 1970 um, ah, and he was more yeah. of like the businessman so uh mm-hmm. uh so and then uh, you know um we were very popular in the 70s, and we had a, a great run with albums like Neil Young, After the Gold Rush, and, you know, as you mentioned, Dr. John, and uh, Spirit, um, The Seven Dreams of Dr. Sardonica. Some of these groundbreaking um, uh, 70s records were done here, and then uh, at some point, 
the engineers came to my dad and his partner, Joe Gottfried, and said, listen, how do we get these records to sound like the ones that are coming out of England? And the answer was to have a different recording console, to get one of these British, you know, and in our story, it was the Neve console. So, uh, uh, and then when we got that console and we recorded Fluid Mac, we were on the map, you know, because it was, became one of the largest selling albums of all time. Well, then let's, let's, stop, let's stop right there. What, mm-hmm. what you told me yesterday, this mm-hmm. young couple walked in, and they were going <laughs> to do a little bit of recording, and uh, they ran into a drummer who just happened to be there by the name of Mick Fleetwood, and the rest is history. <laughs> is that pretty much how, how it happened? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. um, everyone knows that um, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks were signed to Polygram, and they had an album called Buckingham Nicks. And it came uh-huh. out and sold about 20 copies. So they were dropped <laughs> from the label. And they were unemployed. They did not have a record deal. But everyone but – so they they had done their album here at Sound City in Van Nuys. And um, so they were hanging around. A lot of times artists are hanging around waiting for an opportunity, getting some free uh, studio time. You know, you might be called in to do some background vocals, something like that. And they were hanging around and um, – Tom and Joe uh, put them in the studio to develop them and to try to hopefully get them a record deal because it was clear that they were brilliantly talented. And um, what happened was is Mick, uh, the Fleetwood Mac ha- had booked the studio completely um, uh, separately. Mick they Fleetwood. had booked the studio, right, to yeah. record their next album. But about two weeks before they, the booking, um, their guitar player quit. And so in order to – we didn't want to lose the booking, and so we suggested, how about that guy? We played you his tapes, you know, and it was we had played them the Buckingham Knicks tapes. And so they met, and they invited Lindsay to be the guitarist in the band, and he said, well, you have to take my girlfriend. So the modern version of Fluid Mac uh, was born in Van Nuys, California at Sound City. Okay. Well, well, well let, let's play a, a little bit of what was born in Van Nuys, California. Here we go. <laughs> happening uh you were just a girl this a little girl um correct did you kind of hang around the studio were you sort of the studio kid no that was frowned upon (laughs) in my family (laughs) however uh when i was a kid in fourth or fifth grade uh there was a recording about evil knievel doing he was a Preparing for his Snake River Trump in I don't know no I don't know it was 1974 yeah. or something. and um, so we my my fifth grade class came and we asked him questions on on uh, on tape and there was an album you know vinyl album issued with the you know a few songs and then these question and answers and so so that was my most vivid early memory of the studio was in the 70s. And then later on in the 80s, when I was in college, I worked for Paula Salvatore in the in the office. I was the office girl who made the coffee. And my claim to fame is I was here for when Holy Diver was recorded. So I can't oh. take any credit for the music, but I can take credit Ooh. for the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very important to the, to the music. It is. Coffee fuels, yeah. fuels rock and now roll. Now it's Red Bull, but uh, there it is. Uh, right. I, I understand that there's a story about how Metallica recorded at Sound City, something to do with a kick drum. Yes. When Metallica was set to do a new album, and this was in 2006 or 2006, I believe, the um, they had signed up to do it with Rick, producer Rick Rubin, 
who has done many, many things at Sound City, including Johnny Cash, American Recordings. And um, so the engineer went to the four or five large studios that are still left in Los Angeles and rec recorded uh, the sound of the kick drum in the various studios, and then they, they put them all up on the monitors for the band and Rekruben, and they did a blind taste test, of, and they chose the studio by the sound of the kick drum, and Sound City won because we do have the best drum room for drum sound in the country. And uh, based upon that, uh, even though I understand they weren't crazy about the the, the the decor in the studio, but they love the <laughs> the sound. Of, is that right? Well, they were they have a, a large studio headquarters where they're from, I believe San Rafael, and so they have it exactly they, the way they yeah. want it, and you know it's furnished the way they want it, and and you know they, they I just think that they came to our studio and they were under well we didn't have enough refrigerators, we didn't have enough, you know it, it, maybe it wasn't fancy enough for them. But it had the best drum room in the planet, so right. it all worked out. We're talking That's with right. Sandy Skeeter, who has rebooted the legendary Sound City Studios in Los Angeles, uh, a recording studio that has been the cream of rock history. Um, you can talk with her at uh, 347-215-7511. You can <clears throat> email her at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And we have an email that's just come in, so why don't we uh, read it? This is from Kelly. And Kelly uh, has said, uh, writes, Sound City is such an iconic recording studio, having hosted some uh, iconic bands throughout history. Sounds like she knows. She must have seen the movie. So I'm so pleased it's back up and running. Is there any up-and-coming bands recording there now that we should be listening out for? Oh. <laughs> well, we've just had the relaunch party last week, and so far we can't say who we have booked in, but we're very excited about it. <laughs> okay. Because we, all the fans actually, will show up and mob the door. I right? know. I, I, in, in fact, we have one producer who came, and I was just thrilled that when we had this big relaunch party recently that we've already had two visits from two different producers who've never worked here before. Two big-name producers who do things that sell millions of records have been to, through the studio, you know, and they had never worked here before. And one of them booked uh, coming up in September, but I, they, I, I don't even know the artist. So uh, it's sometimes, it's, sometimes it's a little secret, you know, it's a secret okay, that we can't talk right. about. Well, um, well, Kelly, the answer is yes, but we can't give you the names. You're just going to have to hang around outside the door and see who walks in and out. All right. And so, then the other, the other half of the equation is um, my business partner, Olivier Chaston is, comes from part of his career was in the music publishing world. So we actually have a close partnership with a music publisher called Big Deal, and they've had some young songwriters just come and be in Studio B and work for a few weeks. So um, so we, we will have some new artists and some new names for them up and coming. Um, one that has been here for a couple of weeks is called Vox Hall Broadcast. And, so, and they sound sounded amazing you know what i heard through the door and everything so there there will be some new artists and we will spill the beans about them um obviously when it's a younger band you want to promote them and 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 introduce them to people so I, i'm sorry i can't talk about who the big bookings are but um we'll we'll we'll, we'll spill the beans pretty quick here okay all right we have an email here from um mateus in hollywood and he wants to know what instruments are the hardest to get right <clears throat> well, uh, since I'm not a recording engineer or a producer, um, don't know if I can answer that question. I think, hmm, you know, I, re I really do not know. I think everything sounds fantastic in our live room, and um, it depends on the, obviously, the Sound City's strength is a, a combination of three things. It's the sound of the live room the gear, you know, and that's your microphones and your console, and then the people. So I think we can get um, really good sounds, and I, I, I think you're going to have to have our engineer, David Anderson, on your show so that people can ask him the recording questions. What do you think? Okay, well, well maybe we'll do that. 
Um, Talia, also in Hollywood, wants to know, can um, – wait, I think I'm going to hold that one for a minute. But um, okay. Diego – because we haven't gotten to that part of the show yet. But Diego in Pasadena uh, wants to know, were there any great parties in the studio? <laughs> yes. In, in this, <laughs> in, of course, I was young, so I was – um, held away, but um, we had the the most famous one in my mind was um, a party we recorded um, an album from Tanya Tucker, and so let's see what um, what year that was, and um, that was at the time when she was dating Glenn Campbell. In the late se- late 70s, I think it was, and there was a rip roaring album release party, and it ended up with the actor James Caan coming to fisticuffs with Glenn Campbell in the parking lot, and so it was a star-studded affair. So back in the day, there there used to be a lot of um, parties. Now, um, not so many in the later part of the music industry is not as fun as it used to be, and um, you know people are vegans and they eat you know, gluten-free and they don't drink. And so it's, (laughs) the industry has really changed. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of changes in, in the industry, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I've watched the movie and I, everybody should, should, should watch the movie. But uh, one thing that, that stands out about that movie. And also there's a couple other movies out about um, the decline of, of studios is that, uh, the music industry has changed. The economics have changed and the technology has changed. Um, Mm -hmm. You've got some ideas for re-injecting the kind of quality that studios can bring back Mm -hmm. into the, um, I guess we can call it the the millennial music uh, creation process. Um, Mm -hmm. And and let me give you a little preference uh, on that uh, because we just talked to somebody who did, who did, record a very good album in a garage studio um there's there is a an arms race now going on between uh, among the um the streaming services like spotify to deliver the best quality sound and there's an arms race going on in the headphone and earbud industry to deliver the best quality sound but if you don't record the best quality sound that's all wasted so how I know that quality sound is recorded in a big studio. It's not compressed, any of that kind of stuff. How do you bring a studio into the process that that people use today to record? (laughs) Well, I mean, we're hoping that we can um, speak to the younger generation the the artists about recording a quality product to begin with that you know that's one thing and then secondarily people who are far away and who are recording in their garages or in their homes um we are um partnering with uh, uh, some technology companies so that they people who are at home can send their signal um to sound city and we can process it for them for example Wow. Um, there's a website called theaudiohunt.com that we're partnering with. Mm-hmm. And through them, you can send your files to them, and we can, for example, for a small fee, and it's not very much money, um, we they would send us the files, and you process them through our Helios console, which is a you know worth a quarter of a million dollars and recorded you know if you, it's a fantastic piece of equipment and there aren't very many of them left in the world i i think there's maybe a dozen left in the world and for you know i don't know 50 dollars or 100 dollars or something you can um send your signal to sound city and we'll process it uh through one of our pieces of gear um additionally we're we're partnering with some companies to um do some branded um, virtual instruments. For example, I'm hoping in the near future that if someone needs a rock and roll Steinway piano, that they will uh, download the Ste- Sound City Steinway piano sound onto their computer, and then so if they want um, you know our sound, um, they will purchase that, and it's a branded Sound City product, and it was recorded here. And um, so you know, there's lots of different ways, and we have a 
uh, glorious analog echo chamber, which is you know which is you can send your 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 files through to our echo chamber and use a natural echo chamber rather than a, a digital one that's in your computer. So, and, and you know, uh, you can really lot. tell the difference uh, between yeah. the two. Uh, absolutely, yeah. there, there's a uh, yeah. an openness and a ring in a real echo chamber that you cannot get out of a synthy. Um, let me right. ask you about the the piano. Um, uh-huh. Friend of mine, and who's been a guest on on this show, uh, and who actually just won the L.A. Music Critics Award for Best Jazz Singer. Irene Diaz is mm-hmm. also a concert pianist who happens ah. to play blues and jazz really well and has a four octave voice. Um, could she uh, record her piano in a home studio and then bring it to you uh, or send you the file to have it make it sound like it came out of a uh, out of Carnegie Hall? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, since it's a technical question, I don't know. Um, I guess I would prefer if she started with um, a, a depend. What kind of piano did she have? Because we do have a gorgeous 1904 Beckstein, which is a, a concert piano. Um, so you have to start with good good files, good good information in, good information out. You have to start with good good stuff. You can't fix everything, and uh, I, of course we would do our best. Well, she she uses she's now because she tours she plays uh, a keyboard because not everybody has mm-hmm. a piano. She needs to. But let's say she, she wanted, needs to come to Studio A. All right. Well, maybe I'll, I'll take over <laughs> that. Okay. All right. See if she's got time to do that. Now, um, do, have you been able to educate millennials to the 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 fact that what comes out of their instruments is not what winds up on the CD? Well, we're trying to do it one artist at a time, one band at a time. And I, I think I told you that I have some – here at Sound City, we there's about 14 or 15 different recording studios where the main Sound City is, is uh, located. And some of them are just songwriting rooms, and it's a guy with a Pro Tools rig and a vocal booth, and he makes hip-hop or whatever. Um, so these young guys uh, who are part of the social experiment and with Chance the Rapper – um, I can all hear them recording live instruments in their in their songwriting room, and I just said, and you know, one of them plays the trumpet, um, and I said, you guys have to come to the the proper studio, and they came and booked a day, uh, and they absolutely loved it, and they came and booked another day, and they brought us the fabulous Esperanza Spalding to play bass, and we're just thrilled over the moon that she came and played here. So I'm hoping, I mean, they they seem to really like it, and I, I, I hope that they, you know, got the idea that when you play the instrument in the room, the room adds something to the sound. There's a the uh, you know and the noise that you you record when you use a, a live room is adds to the um, experience and when you know when you listen to a Sinatra record where he's recording with a big band at the Capitol Studios you, you know that's that's a you know a recording that went to tape that that's an analog moment that was captured a moment in time. It's very natural. Um, if you're doing a digital recording, you know, that it can be changed at any time. You can go back and cut and paste it. I mean, there's some artists that post their albums nowadays, and then, you know, a month later they re- tweak the, uh, the, 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 the files and, you know, and present another form of the album. I think it was Kanye West that did that. Um, so we yeah, we believe right. in like capturing, we we believe in capturing the moment of the recording process. Okay, um, well, I have to do this because I'm getting so many emails from people who are saying essentially, <laughs> uh, "You mentioned a ghost. What's with the ghost?" <laughs> well, um, we have many. Uh, uh, we're trying to write a book, Sound City book, and this, and we have a lot of stories. Um, Stories like um, producer engineer Joe Barisi working at two in the morning in the control room in Studio A, and then the the phone rings and you pick it up and it's just static, and then put the phone back down, and then ten minutes later the phone rings again and he picks it up and it's just static, and then he looks at the phone and he sees that it's the intercom 
coming from the snack room next door <laughs> when there's no one here. So um, we do have lots of ghost stories, and there is one uh, producer, John Paterno, who told me the story about actually seeing a visual of the person and what the person was. He was recording a band, and he sometimes he likes to sit in the live room with the band just to hear what's going on, and they were doing that, and then, you know, he he when they were recording and he said, okay, guys, let's go in the control room. Let's listen back. And he, out of the corner of his eye, he saw someone walking through the live room and he said, hold on a minute here. Who's walk, you know, producers are very, you know, this is a proprietary sacred space. Like who's walking through my session. And the, the, the person's image was gone and he was dressed in slacks and he had a certain kind of shirt on and a certain kind of haircut. And he, when he described that, um, vision to my father, Tom Skeeter, my dad said, that's Joe Leahy, and Joe Leahy was our head engineer back in the 70s, and he oh was, um, um, so we we have one sighting that I know of, I don't know about the other sightings, but there's many, many instances of, you know, um, of the ghost well, playing no the studio. piano. Yeah. No studio is complete so. without a ghost. We're almost out of time, but I did want to get back to this email from Tali in Hollywood, because now that you've brought it up, and she wants to know, can I take files recorded someplace else and send them to you to assemble? And you've said yes. But then she has another interesting question. Will you yeah. advise me on the best microphones to use? We have about one minute. Well, I can advise you on the best microphones to use. Um, but if she wants to to send files and have a conversation with our engineer, David Anderson, I'm sure he would be happy to, you know, talk to her about it. And they can just go to our website, soundcitystudios.com, and ask questions and interact with us. And we also have a Facebook page. And, um, and you know, we like to educate people about, you know, articles that we see or what we're doing. Um, sometimes you can't talk about what you're recording at that moment, but you can talk about it afterwards. So I, I just encourage people to, to join the conversation, and um, hopefully we can – you know, help out as many artists as we can. Sound City's always been a place where um, we just did everything in our po power possible to help the artist and bend over backwards for the artist. So I hope that continues going forward. I mean, there well, was I, a time back when. Well, um, unfortunately, uh, when you said the word time, I <laughs> waved at me and said, "We are out of it." <laughs> All right, so. See, I told you said, I could talk your ear off for hours yes, about right, it. Right, all right, but the clock is telling us we're having too much fun. Um, um, Sandy, w whatever you do, I want to know about it. I love how you're honoring the history of rock while you're creating its future. As, as, and as your father's daughter, of course, you're in a unique uh, position to do so. Please keep us posted. And thank you for the tour yesterday and, and, and taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm really excited, and I hope everyone joins in. Okay, we'll do that. That's soundcitystudios.com. Well, you've been listening to Music Friday with Patrick O'Heffernan from the Cyber Station USA Network, the Blog Talk Radio Network, and our radio affiliates. Like our Facebook page, follow our Twitter feeds, get real-time updates on our guests. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. Our intern is Angeline Serrano. Download this and other Music Friday programs at Blog Talk radio.com slash music Friday. Be here next Friday. Our guests will be paradise Kings and no small children. Check out our Twitter stream and our Facebook page, and we will update you on the guests. And that's it for now. Have a great musical weekend. We're going to play a little bit more of one of those classic songs that was recorded at sound city. Here you go. <laughs>